Amen. All over the world.
Praise the Lord. I want to talk to you this morning about how can I help? How can I help? If you walk into a uh, retail store and people are selling and you're walking around the stuff and you're just looking it out, the salespeople walk up to you and they say what? Can I help you? They say, or how can I help? That's what they do. And if you walk into a place, people are quickly to say, how can I help? Now you remember if you were here last week that we spoke about the first Sunday of 2018, the essentials for 2018. Who could remember that was here, what, was, what were they? Essentials for 2018. First one was faith. You need to keep your faith during 2018. Faith in the Father, faith in the Son, faith in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the three-part God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And during this year in 2018, you need to keep your faith. Not only do you need to keep your faith, you need to grow your faith. Can you grow faith? Absolutely. The Word of God says faith cometh by? Hearing. And hearing by? The Word. You are building your faith today. You are hearing the Word. A very good thing you can do is to open up your Bible and to read out loud. What are you going to hear? The Word. And what's going to build? Your faith. The Word of God is there for us. It's, it's what's on God's mind. He's so wonderful that He shared to you His mind in His Word. What's on the mind of God? You read the Word. The second thing that we need as an essential to 2018 is the Word of God. Isn't it right? Stay with the Word this year and the Lord will bless you. He will grow your faith. He will give you directions. No wonder the Bible says the Word of the Lord is a lamp unto my feet. You know what my feet is? It's my, it's my area where I'm standing now. That's where my feet is. I don't know if you've stepped into the dark and you haven't got any light. If you put your foot out there and you haven't got shoes on, what's the first thing that's worrying you? Am I going to step on something sharp? What's going to stick me down there? What is down there? You're afraid to put your foot down. But in the darkness of this world, He gave us His, His Word, which the Bible says is like a lamp unto my feet. You see, the child of God don't need to be uncertain about the future. Because wherever you put your foot down under the Word of God, He gives you a lamp to see. And then a light... And to my path, Psalm 119, verse 107, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What does a light do? It shows you the path. It shows you where you've got to go. It is like when you get in a car at night and you put your headlights on. It's a light unto the path. You can see what's ahead of you. Look, no thing should, should, should hit you with a surprise. We said it last week. A child of God shouldn't be surprised about anything that happens with him. Why? Because we work from the Word. And then what was the third thing it was? What goes with faith and Word? Prayer. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is speaking our heart to God. You say, but wait a minute, God knows all about it because He's all-knowing. Yes, He does. But you need to still talk to God. I've got three children. I've got you know, five children now. I've got to always correct myself because two sons are married now. I've got five children. And you know what they do? They come to me because they want to talk to the Father. Now, if we start living like this and we don't talk, we just walk past each other, it's a breakdown in relationship. 
The Father loves it when you come to Him. And, and you don't have to be all over, Oh, Heavenly Father, how art Thou? No, no, we talk to Him like a father talks to a son, and a son talks to a father. He knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. Who knows that? And He wants you just to express, express your heart to Him. So many, and, and we saw it last week, it says it there in the book of James, if somebody's in trouble or in, in circumstances, who do they need to talk to first? To God, to the Father, not to their best friend. Oh, you can talk to your best friend, but talk to your best friend after you've spoken to the Father. Remember, last week we spoke about Job, and then what is the last thing I mentioned last week? It was brotherly love. You know, coming to monster each other and love each other. Now, that was really good for yourself for 2018. And I was contemplating and, and praying this week. And, and you know what? I believe the Lord wants to talk to us as a church now. When you come to church, when you come into this place this morning, have you got a job to do? Now, I'm not talking about vacuuming the carpets and washing the dishes. I'm talking about something you as a child of God do when you come into the midst here. The thing is, now that we know the essentials for 2018, how do we apply that? How do we apply that? How do I come in church and how can I be, how can I make a difference? You say, but I'm not somebody, I'm an introvert. That's fine. I'm, I think God loves introverts as well as, well as ex extroverts. But you've got a place in the body of Christ to do something. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're going to look at Romans, the book of Romans chapter 15. Romans is a wonderful book. And, and remember in this church we go through verse by verse and soon we're going to start with a book. It could be either the book of uh, Colossians or Judges. I'm still working through those books and we're going to work through them verse by verse. But in Romans, Paul gives us very good theology. The first chapters, very good theology. In fact, the theology is against legalism. And if you want to read that, go and read before the end of January the whole book of Romans. Last week I've, I've given a few books as well. But sit down and read it in one reading. He gives us theology and then the final chapters he gives us practical applications. And I want to use one of those practical applications this morning to address this theme about how can I help? We find our verse in Romans chapter 15 verse 1. He says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples, which means the infirmities of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let's read the passage and I'll unpack it as we go. He says it in Romans chapter 15 verse 1 again. He says, When we then who are strong or to bear with the scruples of the weak, and not to please ourselves. That's the biggest problem in the world these days, isn't it? Self-pleasing. It's all about number one. And here he says we should not do that. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and the comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. What gives you hope? The Scriptures. Verse 
5. Now may the, the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glory the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcisions for the truth of God to conform or confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glory God for His mercy. As it is written, for this reason I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. You see that? Rejoice with His people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, Lord Him. All you peoples. And again Isaiah says, They shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's just pray over the word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the public reading of your word. And even if I say nothing now, Father, I close my Bible, I turn off my computer, we go out of this place, we go home, I'm satisfied that your, your word was heard this morning. I pray now that the Holy Spirit do His own teaching in your hearts as we've heard the word. But Father, as I'm going to preach the message this morning, I pray that you touch my mind, my lips, Father, Give me the vocabulary and calmness in spirit, Lord, to bring the word over that you want the people to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So how can we help? We come together as a body of Christ. What is the church there for? First of all, we need to bring a word of encouragement to the people. A word of encouragement. If you come into this church and you walk in, what do you bring with you? Some people bring with them the weight of the world. They carry it into this place. And you know what you bring with you? You bring the weight of the world with you. But you know what you should bring in? You should bring in a word of encouragement. How wonderful is it to know people who are encouragers? Do you know a few people? Do you know some people that you went up to them and you start talking to them? Man, when you walk away from them, you feel so encouraged. Do you know people like that? Let me tell you, a child of God should be that kind of person. People at your workplace, they need to think about you as an encourager. I'm not talking fake stuff here. I'm talking the real good encouragement. Look at verse 1. He says, We then who are strong ought to bear the scruples of the weak. He tells us that there are Two types of people here. And let me say right now, when Paul writes this, he's not writing to the world. Who's he writing to? He's writing to the church. He's writing to the church in Rome. He's writing to the church in Karam Downs. He's writing to you who decided that you are coming to this service. By the will of God, you are sitting here this morning to hear His Word preached this morning. And this morning, the Lord are asking you if you want to help to be an encourager. And this is how He puts it out. He says, there are two types of Christians. 
two types of children of God in this passage. The first one is a strong believer. And then you get weak believers. You know what I'm talking about? A strong believer is somebody who's got a working knowledge of the Bible. He knows how to apply the Word of God to his life. These people, look, trouble comes their way. Bad things happen to them. But you know, when you look at them, you won't tell. Do you know people like that? They go through really difficult times. But when you come to them, they're not lying to you. And they say, and you say, how's things going? They might say, under the circumstances, which puts them under it. I don't agree with that statement. But let's say they say that. They say, under the circumstances, it's going well. And they smile to you. But then you find out what they're going through. And you think, how on earth? How on earth can they still smile? Because, friends, these people are operating in a heart of encouragement. Why? Because they are washed by the blood of the Lamb. They understand the Word of God. They might be in the darkest hour, uh, bring up a scripture verse to you. They're going through a difficult situation, but they bring a scripture verse to you to encourage you. Somebody said it once, if you help somebody up a hill, once you come to the top of the hill, guess what happened? You also went up the hill. And this is so important to understand. You see, the world says, look at yourself. What problems are you going through? But here, the Word of God says, do not focus on yourself, but focus on others who need help. And when you see them, oh man, you've got to have something in you to give to them. Bring them a word of encouragement. The strong believers ought to work with this and they have to do this. What is a weak believer then? A weak believer, according to the Word of God, will be then somebody who's got a basic truth, but they don't know how to apply it to their lives. These could be people who come to, to uh, you know, faith and they are young in the faith. They read the Scripture verses, but they, they just can't apply it to their life. They constantly still in the struggles and it still brings them down. And when you walk over to them and you say, how's things going? Oh, you know, I'm just still struggling through. And I, that's fine because it identifies a strong and a weak believer. Here is a great example for you. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Who knows this passage? If you study the Word of God, you will know this off by heart, some of you. Now, a strong believer might read that and go, finally, he says, this is Paul writing to Ephesians, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. In other words, be a strong believer and in the power of His might. Now, a strong believer might understand what is the power of the might of God. And he might operate in that. You know, it's amazing when I fly, and I fly often, and soon I'm going to start flying again. And I fly a lot that I'm used to now when you get a little bit of turbulence in the air. Who knows what I'm talking about? And when you fly through turbulence, I, I've, you identify things. If you become a, a, a very uh, experienced flyer like me, once you hit clouds, normally there's turbulence. But I know it now, so I don't fret like I used to. So you go through the clouds and the plane starts shaking. You go, oh, oh, what's going to happen? The engine's going to drop off. The engine's going to stop. Oh, maybe the pilot's falling asleep. Or maybe, you know, all these things go through people's heads. It's crazy. And the plane shakes and you're going through the clouds. And once you get through the clouds, it goes, oh, maybe the engine's back again. Maybe the pilot's got woken up and all of these things. 
But now, after years, we go through the clouds and go, yeah, that's only that. Why? Because I've got working knowledge of how it happens. Once we're going to go into the clouds, I go, yeah, we're going to get turbulence. It doesn't faze me anymore. But now I sit there and I look around me and I see these people, once we go through the clouds, that you know about white knuckle, right? They grab those things, man, and you can see their knuckles becomes white. And I'm sitting here and I said, please don't rip it out of the ground. This is the difference. It's the same application here. In this particular passage, Paul writes about your spiritual warfare and he says, we need to be strong, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, a weak person might read the scriptures and say, I just understand, I can't understand. He can't understand how the enemy operates, how the devil operates. And then he falls into those temptations every single time and he goes over and conducting that. But a strong believer might stand on the word and say, Lord, I am going to put on the waste of truth. I'm going to walk in the truth and stand in the truth. The Bible says I need to tell the truth. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm telling the truth. That is part of the armor of God. He says the breastplate of righteousness. You know what righteousness is? Is to live a life acceptable to God. I'm going to walk and live a life acceptable to God. A weak person might look at that and say, what is he talking about? And continue with the old life. And here we find that distinction between the two of them. You see, we need to bring a word of encouragement as a strong. But this is, this is a second part of this, weak believers. You might say, look, I've been studying the Bible for so long. I know how to working knowledge. But sometimes I just get drained down by the struggles of life. Have you been there? I certainly have. So, whoa, you're a pastor. You know the Word of God. It, look, let me tell you, the struggles of life don't look at you as a respecter of person. You might be a person who knows the Bible out of your head. You might have the working knowledge of you. You might be a strong Christian. The enemy is there to drain you, to bring you down. There's people, and maybe there's people in this room today who walk in here and say, I am just drained, man. I, I just feel drained. Now imagine if a person like that walks through the doors. What do they need? Come on, you tell me. They need a word of encouragement. Oh yes, pastor, it's your job. Give him a word of encouragement. No, no. They need a word of encouragement from you. I might not be the person who talked to them the longest today. I might not be the first person they see when they walk through the door. Listen, let me tell you, this is not my job. This is not my church. This is his church. This is God. He's the shepherd. But you and I need to carry the load. Every person that walks through this door, everyone in this room needs encouragement. And you need to be the person who brings that encouragement to them. How can I help? Bring a word of encouragement. Look at verse 2 now. Let me bring it out to you. He says it there in verse 1. When we then who are strong ought to bear. You see the word there? Ought to bear with the scruples, the infirmities of the weak. And we need to please his neighbor. And we need to lead to edifying. You see, the word ought to bear means to carry a load. To carry a load. When I read that, I picture in Africa these, these women who go down to the water and they go there to get water. Have you seen photos of that? They put the water into those pitchers and they put it on their heads. And they walk with that load. 
You know what this is? He says that you need to go alongside that woman and you need to take off that load and put it onto yourself. Wow. That's what the word means. Think about that. Some people say, oh, I'll walk next to you, I'll support you, I'll keep you up, I'll walk with you all the way. No, no, this passage here means that I'm taking off the load of them. How do I do that? You take it off by giving them a word of encouragement, by being with them, by calling them up and say, look, you really went a little bit uh, through a difficult time. You know, can I be there for you? Can I come and help you? Can, can I just come out and mow your lawns? Can I come and make a dinner for you? Can I just do something? Something to carry your load for you. Friends, this is who we are. This is an act of love. He says, we are strong. You, you notice he says, the strong one needs to do that. You start encouraging people by carrying their load. He says then, please his neighbor. You know what it means? It doesn't mean that you've got to be every time, yes, pleasing. No, no. It means to submit oneself opinions to the desires and the interest of others. That's a difficult thing to do. Submit. Submit oneself opinions and desires to somebody else. This is what he says. This is the Christian walk. You said you want to help. I said, how can I help? This is how you help. You bring a word of encouragement. And if you come to this church, that is what the message should be of the church. It's a word of encouragement. Carry the people. You say, how do we do that? Well, he says it right there. He says, leading to edification. And you know what that means? The phrase there means to build up. Oh, you get sometimes people, they are so full of opinionated and I'm so strong and you're the weak Christian. And man, I'm just going to tell you how it is. And people just walk in and they tell him and, and they, I'm so super with my knowledge about the Word of God and I know what's going on because I've done it before. And they just go in and they just rubbish the whole situation. Don't you tell me and I'm the all-knowing. That's not a word of encouragement. No, no. Remember, he said pleasing. That means it is a type of submit. So in other words, you are bearing their load. You are submitting. You are submitting to that. As a strong Christian, you are carrying with them. And you build them up. It's so easy to break somebody down. Have you noticed? It's so easy to break somebody down. Man, I can take a hammer and I can wreck this whole pulpit. I can wreck the whole thing within minutes. But how long did it take somebody to build this thing? Much longer than I can break it. And let me tell you as well, there's no skill in me taking a hammer and, and break this whole pulpit. But there's a skill therein to build this thing. Now learn the skill of God to become an encourager, friends. We've got the essentials to go 2018, but be an encourager. Every time you come to church, pray this prayer and say, Father, let me carry within me a word of encouragement for somebody. Sometimes it's just talking to them. You don't have to drill down into the bits, but just talk to them and encourage them. Look at the example here in verse 3. For even with Christ, even Christ did not please Himself, but as it is written, the reproach of those who reproach fell upon me. What did Christ do? He carried our load. Can you see that? He took the load of our sin upon Him. 
Did he do it? Is he an encourager? You betcha he is. He carried our load upon him. He pleased. You know what he did? He submitted himself to come in the form of a bond servant and lived on this earth. There is an example. So you say you want to be a child of God and you want to help the body? Be an encourager. The church, every person who sits in this place needs a word of encouragement. There's another word they need. A word of instruction. That's the second thing that you can help with. A word of instruction. Look at verse 4. He says, For whatever things were written, before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort and scriptures might have hope. The word needs the church, and, and we all need a word of encouragement, but we also need a word of instruction. I love it when it says here, instruction comes through the written word. That is a good instruction. Not your thoughts, not what you think about it, but the word of God. We call it a precept. You remember that? A precept. It's there in Isaiah chapter 28 verse 13. He says, but the word of Jehovah, the word of God, was to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You remember when I said to you last year, there is a difference between the preceptive will of God and the decretive will of God. Let me explain quickly. A decretive will of God is a decree that went out, let there be light. And He made everything through His Word. That's a decree that go out. And you and I can't do anything about the decrees of God. So watch out for those people who stand and make decrees. All of a sudden. You know, all of a sudden you find people upon pulpits and standing on TVs and they've got their own radio shows and they say, I decree over your life health. Where do you come from? The decretive will of God is an absolute will. But the preceptive will of God is the will that you and I need to obey. The preceptive will of God is precept upon precept. It's in the word of God. So if we talk about a word of instruction, your church should have a word of instruction, a precept out of the word of God. He says it is written before and it's written for our learning. So let me tell you, there's two ways of learning something. First of all, you can learn through the preceptive will of God or the precept. That is when mom and dad comes to you and say, Sharia, I want you to clean or to pack the dishwasher. What is that? A precept went out. You know what she needs to do? Just obey the word. What is the word? Do the dishwasher. That's the easiest way. If you do the dishwasher, that's the fastest way of learning this. And that's also, back in the day, the painless way of doing it. Because back in the day, if they didn't do it, what happened? Oh, some of them had to bend over and get a little bit of hiding. Yes? Or you get a tell-off. That could be a painless situation as well. But there's a second one, and that's experience. Some people want to learn by experience. And that's a painful way. No, no, I'm not going to listen to what dad says. I want to I experience if I disobey. And you know God is the same. If you disobey God, He corrects you. And for some people it's painful. But do you think they want to listen? No, we know it. We've got children, don't we? If we say don't do it, what do they do? Come on. They do it. <laughs> That's learning by experience. So you correct them. Next time if you say do it, 
They go, oops, I remember the painful experience. Now I'm going to do it. But the precept of will is the painless one. That's the painless one. You say, the preceptive one is I obey the word of God and I abide by it and there's no pain. God says you shall not steal. That's a precept. So that's the painless way. So you go to your workplace. The word of God says you shall not steal. Then here in your workplace, you think, man, I'm just going to take this thing. Nobody will know. And they catch you and they fire you. Is that painful? Yes. Now, next time when you come into the same situation, are you going to steal? Hopefully, you've learned your lesson. Now, a younger person is going to come to you and say, let's just take this thing. By experience now, you're going to say, don't take it. Why? Because you've felt the pain. See the difference here? And this is what we need to operate. You see the word, uh, uh, every child of God, uh, the church should preach a word of instruction. We need to obey the word of God. What do you get when you obey the word of God? What do you get? It's wonderful. It's right there in front of us. First of all, he says there in verse 5, he says, It is for our learning that we through uh, the patience and the comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There's three things you get if you obey the precepts of God. Three things. You get patience, you get comfort, and you get hope. Would you like to have those? I'll tell you, life is, is bad without those things. Have you ever lost your patience? What is the result? It's a mess. Have you, have you lost your comfort? It's a mess. And here, by a word of instruction and by obeying the word of God, you will have patience, comfort, and you will have hope. You see, again there in verse 5, he says, what brings this word of instructions? It brings, brings in verse 6, that you may, may be with one mind and with one mouth, glorifying the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the word of instruction is wonderful. Why? Because it brings you patience, comfort, and hope. But not only does that bring to you, but for the body it brings what? It brings one mind and one mouth. You want to know what the one mind is? It is our worship. It's how we worship God. We come together, we're in one mind. We all sang the songs this morning. We were in one mind in worship. And is it wonderful? Do you still enjoy worshiping God? Are you still enjoy singing songs to God? I sometimes be quiet when I sing and I listen to, to the people singing. You know how wonderful it is? We sing about Jesus and His might and His glory. But the word of instruction brings that. Not only that, we're of one mouth. The mouth is our testimony. We testify Jesus Christ, no other person. So we need... To carry within us a word of encouragement, a word of instruction. That's not all, but we also need to carry with us a word of acceptance. Acceptance. Now think about this word here. In verse 7 he says, Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Are you a child of God? Can all the children of God put up their hands? What have you done to become a child of God? Nothing. He did it all. He did it all. 
Now I know, I know that within there it is a part where you've got to accept and there's a part that you've got to say, I know that. But friends, it's not by your good works that you are sitting here and you call yourself a child of God. And I thank God for that because I would fail miserably. But you know what He did? He accepted me the way I was. And then, and then, He saved my soul and He's changing me into the image of His Son. He accepted me. So, as a child of God, you and I, what word should we have? We should have a word of acceptance to everybody. I'm telling you, everybody's welcome to come into this place. If you know the vilest sinner, I want you to invite him here. You go, oh, wait a minute, but I don't want to go into the same place as the vilest sinner. I'm telling you today that in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord can save his soul the same way that he saved your soul. And he can become the, the mightiest man for God. Think about this, the acceptance of... So many people are hurt by this. I don't know, maybe when they were younger, they were rejected. It's so easy to live in rejection all your life. You grew up, maybe you were not the favorite son or, or daughter of your parents, and, and you were rejected by them. Maybe society is rejected. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe a lot of things happen to you. Even now, people look at you and it feels as if they are looking at you with disdain. Know this this morning in Jesus Christ. If you come to Him, you're accepted. How wonderful is it? And He gives us that example. And it's not what culture you come from. I love it when the Lord accepts all cultures. Now, you know, I'm a South African-born Kiwi and I'm standing here and I came from South Africa where there were a lot of apartheid happening there. I'll tell you today, friends, that was wrong and it came out of the pit of hell because everybody is accepted before the Lord. I'll tell you, there's only two races in the Word of God mentioned. Have you noticed? Two races. It's right here. Let me show you. It's, it's, uh, look at verse 8. He says, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become the servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to conform the promise made to the fathers that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. And it is written, listen, two races. For this reason I will confess you amongst the Gentiles and sing to your name. There's only two. There's Jews and there's Gentiles in the Bible. Jews and Gentiles. And you know what the Jews, as we know, is the people of God. But the acceptance that Jesus Christ came, He brought it to the Gentiles. Now, I haven't got Jewish blood in me. I wasn't born a Jew. I'm what you call a Gentile. But I thank God for this because He accepted me in the name of Jesus Christ in His body. He accepted me as His child now with the Jews. I'm accepted. And he goes on to, con to say this over and over again. Look at verse 10. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with His people. Who's His people? Who, who are they? The Jews. Let, let, let me just say outright here to you. I do not uh, believe in replacement theology. We haven't replaced Israel. I don't believe in that. God still has got a plan for Israel. But friends, we were accepted, as it says in the book of Romans, we were grafted into Israel. 
We were accepted in there. And here is the verses. It is a word of acceptance. And again, he says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Lord him, all your peoples. Again, Isaiah said this now. He said, they shall be the root of Jesse. And he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him, Gentiles shall hope. We shall hope. It's a word of acceptance. Listen, let it be. Let me apply it to you and me. Anybody who walks through these doors are welcome in this place. Everybody. A sinner is welcome. Every culture is welcome. And you know what you need to carry inside of you? A word of acceptance. Not only that, finally this morning, we need to have not only a word of encouragement, uh, a word of instruction, a word of acceptance, but we also will have to have a word of hope. Hope. I'll tell you what, it is sad to be in a hopeless situation. But in Christ there's always hope. Look at this, Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, peace, and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only one who can give you hope is the Holy Spirit. We get hope through the Holy Spirit. But we also have to carry within us when we come to church a word of hope. Have you got a word of hope for somebody there? Afterwards, in a few minutes, we're going to have coffee and a nice food. You're going to talk to people. What is your message going to be to the people? Are you going to be an encourager? Are you going to have a word of instruction? Not coming from a high and mighty place, but as a submitted place. Are you going to have there a, a word of acceptance? I accept you. And what about hope? You see, the, the thing that I see here is that hope gives joy and peace. Look at it there. It says that God hopeful you with joy and with peace. Who wants joy? And let me just explain to you, joy is not happiness. I've heard somebody say once, I'm happy. I'm so happy, happy, happy. But you know what can happen with happiness? Oh, look at me. Somebody gave me $5,000. I'm so happy. I've got $5,000. Wow. Get in your car. Drive down the road. There's a cat in the road. Swerve out for the cat. Hit a tree. There goes your $5,000. Your happiness is gone. But joy is different. You see, joy lives in here. They can take your $5,000, but joy is in there. And where does the joy come from? From the Holy Spirit. How do you get the Holy Spirit? You have to be born again. How, do, how are you born again? You have to bow at the cross. You have to confess at the cross. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. And once you're a sinner crying out there and the Lord saves your soul, guess what happened? He fills you with the Holy Spirit. When He fills you with the Holy Spirit, what comes inside of you? Joy! And we can sing this morning, joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the half is never yet been told. Not yet. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what the word of hope brings. You see somebody struggling, walking along the brother. Give him a word of encouragement. Give him a word of instruction if you need to. Accept him. And you know what you give him? Give him hope so that joy can come into his life again. Not only that, peace. Who wants to live in peace? Oh, certainly I want to live in peace. Peace. 
You know what? The Word of God, Jesus turns to His disciples. I love this passage above all there in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Fantastic part of the Bible. And by the way, you should go and read it before the end of January. Read 14, 15, and 16, John. And the Lord will bless you with that passage. Why? Because Jesus gives His last instructions to His disciples as He walks towards the cross. You see, what this is what He tells them. He says, I'll pray the Father and He sent you another comforter. We know that. But He says these words there. He he says, peace I will leave with you. Not the peace that the world gives, but my peace. That's my phrase. Do not fret what's going on in the world. I said it last week. There's troubles coming. This I'm not prophesying now. I'm not one of those. You know me by now. I'm not a self-proclaimed prophet. I'm not, oh, you know, there's going to be... No, 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 that's happened. Already this morning, I see there in India, in Bangalore, there's people who, who attacked an international hotel and killed some people. That's going to happen. It's a given. Oh, my peace is taken away. Look at the newspaper. What if it happens again here in Melbourne? My peace is gone. Then I want to say that your peace has got a wrong root. Let Jesus Christ be your peace this year. How do I get peace? Through the word of hope, the Holy Spirit. He says, peace I will leave with you. Are you operating in His peace? As we come together as a church, my prayer this year is, Lord, bless the people. Father, let me, let me work for you. Let me have a word of encouragement. Let me walk up to you up and say, here's a word of encouragement for you. Let me have a word of instruction. You spend your time during the week. Read the precepts of God so that you can become an instruction to others. Finally, before I pray, let us have a word of hope. May God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,